This is the most explosive interview I have ever done. My next guest says that the Zulu nation needs nuclear weapons. He's gone from losing millions of his own and other people's money to starting his own religion, or cult, as he calls it. A cult leader, yeah. or something like that. It is a cult know? leader. So do, would, you, would you say you are leading a cult? I believe so. He has some truly out there ideas. Some say he's a narcissist and belongs in a mental institution. Others, including himself, call him God. What am I? Am I a preacher? Am I a pastor? Am I a prophet? I don't think I, I'm that. I think I have the potential to be the source. So when people are like, Jesus says God loves us. Prophet Muhammad says Allah. I'm like, no, bro. I'm saying. I'm the center. Which makes me God. Julius Malema said he's simply an unemployed, failed podcaster. Others think he's a genius. As for myself, I'm still trying to process everything we discussed in this episode, but I'll leave it up to you to form your own opinion. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce God Penwell. Are you chasing anything now in, from a podcast perspective? No, not really. I still, we're figuring out what is the goal. Where are okay. we going? What are we doing? What is the vision, you know? Sure. Like I've got my own idea, but it's just about building upon that idea and kind of... Yeah, just making it a more clear vision. You know, what is the podcast about? Yeah. What do I stand for? Yeah. And I mean, I'm 26, so these are things that will come with time. I'm not going to know of course, these things straight away, you know? But you're not chasing anything now, like a certain number of subscribers? No. I've never. The, you know, the thing with subscribers is I've... What I've learned is when I had zero subscribers, I thought 1,000 subscribers was enough. And, and, was, and now I'm on 140-something thousand. And now I'm like... It doesn't feel like very much, yeah. you know? So I don't really think about subscribers. For me, yeah. it's more about viewership. It's like, are people coming back to listen? Sure. That's what I care about. And at the moment it's up and down. So, sure. yeah. And what's more important to you, guests or uh, you? It's more about the guest than me. By you, I mean like the type of questions and conversation that you push. Yeah. But what I mean by guest is you and I can have the same guest. Um, be, do you think the guest would be the puller or do you think you would be the puller? The guest. People would want to hear you speaking mm. to someone. I think at the moment it's the guest. Okay. Yeah. More, more than me. More than me. I'm sure there is people that come for me. Yeah. But at the moment, because it is so guest driven, right? It's I, I always make it about the guest as much yeah. as possible. Uh, but anyway. Top three. Top three favorite guests. I know I'm interrupting your flow. Uh, top three that I've had on. No, that you'd want to have. I would love you saying Bolt. Okay. Why, why Bolt? Just because he's incredible, man. Okay. I, just, I just think he's a, an amazing guy. Also, to be the fastest human ever. Fastest human in history. Reported. In history, dude. That's yeah. insane. Um, I hear you. Him? I've thought about some... It's funny. Someone asked me yesterday this question. Um, probably someone from Dianfort, because I've already covered them so much. It would yeah. be good to hear their side. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure who... You I like Dianfort? No. You don't like them? No. Hectic? I don't, no. I mean, I've covered their, their, their ex-adopted son. Yeah, the foster kid. That. He was on the podcast, and I mean, they're, they're lunatics. But anyway. <laughs> let's, let's, no, last one, last one. You have to give me the last one. And the last one. The uh, reason we do this, by the way, is so that we send it out into the universe. Yeah. And everyone is going to be watching Manifesting, this. Manifesting, yeah. Is going to one day bump into Bolt and be like, there's this kid in Cape Town in South mm -hmm. Africa who would love to sit with you. Because they saw it, and they'll keep it top of mind. Probably uh, Julius Ozuma as well. Why? 
I'm, I'm talking mainly like African guests, not you? international. Um, just because I think they've, I mean, they've played such a huge role in this country. They're such big figures. And, yeah. um, I think that they have the power to really make a big change. Okay. And it could go very well. Yes. Or it can go very badly. They are, they are very influential. They're very influential. Probably yeah. the top two most influential politicians we have. Yeah. So that's dope. No, thanks, Josh. I'm done. Please do your thing. <laughs> cool. So, I mean, I wanted to know, right? I want to know a little bit about you. When you think about your childhood and your early years, right? What do you think are the most important things that happened, events or experiences you had that turned you into who you are today? I think a big chance of it was out of my control and it was mostly genetic, number one. Number two is environment. To answer why I'm here, I think it's a combination of my genes and my environment. I grew up loving reading. It's not something I saw at home. It's not something that was really cultivated at school. Otherwise, all of us in class would have read. Mm. I found myself gravitating towards books and information and knowledge. And to this day, I still consume information at an incredible speed, especially with the internet now. I can't take that. So I think that's genetic. Something in my genetic makeup just had a predisposition for mm. wanting to learn stuff. Um, I think there may have been a slight identity crisis, which may have also played a factor. My mom is mixed race. Her father was an Indian Muslim man, uh, mm -hmm. Chota Hussein Amin. Uh, her mom, a, a black Zulu woman, uh, Utemba Maria Miaga. So that, that would make my mom different, which would make me sort of different. So I think I cultivated a type of empathy for different people. And on some of the platforms, I've had mixed race, first generation mixed race people. Dr. Susan Pofu Walsh. I've had a lady called Miranda Nchangase. You look at people like Trevor Noah. Their view of the world is almost defined by just their existence. They can't be like, I hate white people because like your mom or your dad is white. I hate black people because your mom or dad is black. So they, they tend to have like an empathy for human beings that other people don't have. And they struggle for identity earlier. Because if you're black Zulu, you're like, oh, it's been given to me. This is who I am. Mm. But if you're something a bit more different, the black Zulu kids look at you and they're like, what are you? Who are you? Why does your mom look like that? And you start on this research journey. So I, I was forced to be an overthinker and to find identity and to be self-aware from an early age. And I've been on that journey. But environment is huge. And because I was born in a township, I got to see the last bits of the struggle. My father used to transport weapons. Uh, he was involved in the struggle. Um, and then we moved from the township to the suburbs. We were part of the first black families to do that. And that transition plays a factor in just moving, mm. class, being the first black kid in a certain school, Arbor Park Primary, uh, Newcastle Junior Primary for me and engaging and everyone speaking politics and small, big town, Newcastle, and then moving to Johannesburg as an example. All those things with my genetic makeup forced me to engage the world in a certain way. And I, I think I haven't changed. And in the people I meet, in the way I consume information, the way I analyze information, it's, it's probably got a lot to do with that. And did you feel like a you fitted in when you were younger? Or did you feel like a bit of an outsider? From when I was born to this day, uh, I've always been an outsider. I yearned for a long time for feeling 
part of something. And I think that's why you excel. You know, the smartest person on the internet, in my opinion, is a gent by the name of Naval Ravikant. I've never heard of him. Yeah. Uh, hopefully your audience will go and check him out. He's got an amazing sit down with Joe Rogan. He's got his own podcast. So Naval tells the story of when he was young and he got to school. You realize at school that to be accepted, you have to have something. So the good looking kids, boys, mostly girls, mm -hmm. everyone is drawn to them because, oh my gosh, you're so pretty, so good looking. The kids from well-off families, oh, your dad dropped you off, he drives a Ferrari, so people gravitate towards you. Go on nice holidays, invite oh, friends. So, yeah. so people are drawn. Some kids athletically, you know, you outrun everyone, you score all the tries or you score all the goals. He wanted to find that thing for himself that would make other kids like him. And he decided that that thing was going to be knowledge and information. I want to have the most information and knowledge in class. So he read as many books as possible so that when he was asked questions, he had all the answers. But after he'd done that, he decided to just kill the entire library. He read all the books in the library and he became the most knowledgeable kid in the school, never mind in his class. And he was like, why stop here? And he says he spent the bulk of his life accumulating as much information as possible so that he has an answer for everything and he's covered everything. Often that can make you a bit of an outsider as well. Huge knowing outsider. too much because when you, a lot of the time, ignorance is bliss, you know? And it makes you cool because we're all stupid. Because the more carefree you are, I think the easier you are to hang out with. If you know too much, when someone says something and you're constantly fact-checking them or saying, you know, that's <laughs> not correct. Yeah. You can be seen as a bit of an outsider. Also, if you're too intelligent, you look at things differently. You do. It intimidates people, number one. Mm. And number two, a lot of philosophers have said the more information and knowledge you accumulate, the, the sadder you become. Because mm. you realize... How hopeless everything is. <laughs> everything is a fucking joke and it's not real. Mm. It's consumerism and it's capitalism and it's agendas. And when someone's like, oh, I love this. You're like, you don't love it. It's because it was marketed to you by this company because they funded by the government. You're like, oh, what a potty pooper. So I think for me, um, yeah, I, I wanted to get a lot of information. And because of that, you end up being isolated. I mean, if you're a reader, by default, you don't have time for people. If you're constantly on the internet searching, mm. you're going to be a weirdo nerd. Because yeah. you're with people and you're like, I need to get back to searching. No, just chill. You're like, chill and do what? I'm chronically online. If you yeah. look at my uh, screen time for the past three months, there isn't a single day where it's under 15 hours of screen time. That's not healthy. A lot of the, I, I wake up, I'm on my phone. I listen to videos. I drive, I'm watching videos or listening to videos. Yeah. When I go to sleep, I'm, I'm watching stuff, researching, editing. And, and that's just my phone. That's not my laptop. Oh, conventional knowledge out there would say that you have an unhealthy relationship. Screen time, mm. they speak about blue light and, and those things. You can't sleep at night. Your brain is overworking. Do you think you are, your, your screen time consumption is unhealthy? Very. Why? Because, first of all, it's just not healthy to be looking into people's lives all the time and watching other people's stuff. Okay. As someone who creates and makes documentaries and uh, films podcasts, sometimes not knowing what everyone else is doing is the best thing. Okay. Because when you observe other people, you often take on... Um, their traits and their their positive aspects and their flaws. You know, you yeah. don't get to build your own uh, real 
um, personality and brand in a way. Does it feel like so psych- I think psychological like, prostitution? Like you're in, ingesting a lot of human beings at once and they're going in and out of you. <laughs> I've never Mentally. thought about it like that, but yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah. Okay. Mm. And then uh, would you consider a chip? Uh, virtual reality goggles are whack. Would you consider a chip where you don't have to look at your phone? I was going to ask you because of and the, plug in the, your eyes and the, ne- the Neuralink through uh, Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, I would never do it. Why not? I don't need to. I mean... You currently don't, but you wouldn't need to pick up your phone or go to a laptop. It would be plugged into your brain. That's, that's the problem. So you <laughs> like the idea of switching off? Yeah, I like the idea of switching off. At the moment, I'm very focused on specific things. Yeah. And um, maybe a bit too obsessive about certain things. Yeah. Um, but one day I would like a more healthy relationship. Fair enough. But um, I, I mean, the one thing I wanted to talk about at the beginning here is, I mean, you've also really been quite successful in the business world and you've had sure please carry on well yeah you were quite successful at one point from what i can see right and i'll let you finish you've you've written 13 books yeah is that correct it's 13 um and one of them was titled the rise and fall of the nsc yeah um how i made and lost my millions yeah right what does nsc mean the national savings club okay um i mean can you tell me about briefly about your journey through the business world and how you made money and inevitably lost it. I sat with an amazing gentleman called uh, Talipani, Talipani Banks, who's an entrepreneur and he runs a digital advertising agency called um, Analytics X. And he re-inspired and reinvigorated my desire for trying to find solutions for problems on the African continent. He set up a new company now called Spaza Eats, which is basically going to compete with Uber Eats. But the unique selling proposition is they want to reach the township food businesses. So not just your McDonald's, KFC, mm. Debonairs. They want to find the mama making the Kotas, the Bunny Chows. So Kotas is Joburg, Bunny Chow is Durban. You guys have the Gatsby's. You want to find those people that make traditional street food and then make it easy for them to get their food somewhere else. Mm. At some point in my life, I had these dreams of solving problems for Africans, poor Africans. I still have a lot of ideas in schooling, healthcare, the way we live. I've got ideas around the barter economy, which is outside of money. I looked at the power of Stockfells back then and arguably 40 to 55 billion rand a year in South Africa is collected in Stockfells. And a Stockfell is an informal savings club. And I was like, how do you harness this power and create something special? And how does it solve problems for the masses? And I decided to create... It was initially the National Stockfell Club, NSC, but to be more in- inclusive, especially for an international market, is savings, the National Savings Club. And I was like, let me create the Stockfell and then use the money to create an investment company. I had a vision of something like that, but the goal was going to be taking money from ordinary people, not fancy employees, not rich people. The woman that sells food on the street, the guy who cuts hair must give me 10 rand, 20 rand, 50 rand. I'll collect this money because I studied finance and economics and business, because I know people, I'm going to go and invest on their behalf, not in listed mm-hmm. businesses, but in real businesses. Josh has got a podcast, Penn has got a car wash. I'm going to invest there, take those returns and then share them with those people and almost create, the Johannesburg Stock Exchange is formal, but create like an informal stock exchange where people give me their money. I invest in some of their cool businesses and we share the money here. Mm-hmm. It was also inspired by a guy called um, Subrata Roy from China, uh, from India, sorry. 
He has a company, he had a company called Sahara Pariwa, where he had over a million employees. One million employees. employees who would walk to normal vendors. So this is just in Africa, hey? No, this is in India. In India. This is in India. Uh, India's got, I think, 1.1 billion people. One million employees. Massive, yeah. Their own uniform. I think that like an anthem in the company where the employees would get together and sing this anthem. But they'd collect people money from normal people. Mm -hmm. And then they'd give it to Subrata. And he ended up having like a huge media company, almost like a multi-choice. I think he owned Formula One cars. He owned banks. He owned real estate. And he'd share the dividends with these ordinary people. Is this the guy that just got in trouble recently in the past few years? Yes. He had Definitely the Formula One team. Yeah, yeah, he got in yeah. trouble. Def- that's why I'm like, I don't know if the company's still around because he was arrested. Yeah. Yeah, but the concept- He went Sahara. on the run and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Un- unfortunately, some of these stories don't have good endings. I guess like mine. <laughs> Most of them, yeah. yeah I've, I've been accused of being a scam artist and those things, but mm-hmm. I'll get to that. Subrata so Roy and Sahara Pariwa, I, I hope people research, look at the things he did wrong, to avoid them, but look at the inspiration. So I wanted the National Savings Club to mimic that. And it went well, we raised over a million. I was loaning out a lot of the money. I think I'd make over 100 to 200,000 rand a month in interest. I invested in cattle. I invested in meter taxis in Johannesburg and in my hometown in Newcastle. Um, I invested in people's small businesses, uh, clothing, food, um, were there any cool businesses? There was a guy that bought a mobile food truck. I was like, this is really dope. I had pigs as well, over 40 pigs. I think I was in a rush, number one. And I think the returns I was offering were not sustainable. Because mm-hmm. I was offering people 40% a year, which... 40% return. 40% return. Yeah, and that sounds like a scam. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a scam. In hindsight, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, because you never get 40% returns on anything, really. You never get 40%, which I think even 10% is like a lot. So today, I think the best performing investment in South Africa might be offering 6 7 I was just about to say 6 or 7%. Yeah. 6 or 7% per year. Yeah. But these are formal institutions and they take huge amounts. I started as a loan shark in 2011. And I was loaning out at 20% a month. So if I loan out a thousand rand, I get 200 rand back. And if I loan out a thousand rand over 12 months. So if you loan a thousand rand, you get 1,200 rand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But 200 is the- Profits, yeah. The return. Yeah. If I do that in a year, I loan out 12,000, the 200 times 12 is 2,400. That's 200%. So in my head, I'm like offering 40% is nothing. And I'm not even speaking about compounding. Because if you compound in the first month, the 1,000 comes back as 1.2. You loan it out as 1.2. And then you get more back. back. Yeah. So in my head, I and thought- And it just keeps going, yeah. I thought 40% was nothing. I was like, the banks and these guys are greedy. Um, but I realized <laughs> over time that there's <laughs> that a it cost. was a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> there's, pyramid scheme. There's a, there's a cost. There's a cost yeah. of running a business. Yeah. So I might get 200 back or I might not get it back. Mm. Uh, or I need to pay for something. Yeah. Or if the person doesn't pay me back, it's not 200 I'm not getting back, mm. it's a thousand rand. So come end of the year and my living costs. I thought I was gonna return 40% from your thousand rand investment, which is 400. Yeah. And I realized in real time, I only made 3%. Jeez. And then I have to pay you 40%, which then mm. ends up having a ripple effect on everyone else's returns. So at some point I was like, look, this business is not working. I sold a lot of my assets. I focused on loans. Mm. 
people are not paying me back. I think to date, I'm probably owed over 700,000 rand by various people. And I've never sold them out. I've never gone and said, these are the people that owe me money. So if you see Josh out there, please know he owes me 10,000 rand. Mm -hmm. I became the full guy. I failed and the people that invested in me um, were angry. Um, I got some, I think two death threats. I got three lawyers from letters. Got a lot of messages of people crying. I trusted you. I gave you my child's money. And was money. it re reported at all in the news or? No. No, not really. Because you you weren't such a big figure at that time probably. How long ago was no, that? This was 2014, 15. Mm. And you've, you've kind of started really gaining prominence in the past two years, I yeah, think, yeah. okay? 2022. Since, since your podcast, I think, okay? Actually, no, you had a YouTube channel before that. The breakthrough for the masses was working with DJ Spoo from February, 2022. Okay. Yeah. And then I was making a lot of Facebook videos as well last year, mm. which did well. So Smoo went on podcast and chilled, I think July, August. A lot of people saw me there and it just so happened that I dropped the panel show in August as well. Okay. So yeah, it's for a lot of people that know me now, it's mostly the last two years, yeah. as you're saying. Social media, a lot of people called me out on social media, but in terms of mainstream media, um, anyone who would have tried to maybe open a case, Not so, there, there yeah. was no case to be opened because there was transparency. I communicated. I wasn't running away. I wasn't mm. not responding to people. Um, we used to have the FSB, Financial Services Board. Today it's called the FCSA. Um, you could have gone to report me there as not registered, but I couldn't be registered because it was a stock fell. Um, but there was no foul play. Mm. Even today, if any of those old people are like, ah, People know him now. Let me fucking go expose him. You can try. I've written a book, like you said, The Rise and Fall About of the NSC, which I, where I explain exactly what happened. Mm. But I wanted to write the book for two reasons. One is not a lot of people write books on their business failure. We normally hear about business success. So I was like, I would like to write a story on failure, on how my business failed. And then the second reason was for all my investors. And you must understand an investor is not a, a lone person. It's you and let's say your wife. And you invested 10,000 in me and your wife is like, fuck this guy, let's go stab him. And you're like, no, let's take the, so for you, your family, the people that care about you, all your friends you've told, that penal guy is a fucking scam artist and is a shyster. I wrote that book to be like, this is the story. So at any given time, if you're like, you once stole money from people, like, you I'm just sad to believe that, but please read my book yeah. on, on what happened. I've got nothing to hide. Um, yeah, and I, that, that's my story. I want to know about penwellism. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I was looking into it a little bit. I don't know completely what it's about, but from what I can tell, it's almost like your own religion, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what is penwellism? How did it start? Tell me. So one of the greatest gifts I got from my business failure is I got depressed. It was my third time and it was my worst depression. My mind broke the worst it's ever broken. Mm. And what happens when your mind breaks, for a lot of people, they run away to numb the pain. Alcohol, drugs, um, casual sex, some end up catching diseases, maybe violence. Some people, the pain is so loud and so devastating that they want to switch it off. So then they take their lives. Mm. Uh, some people manage the pain through antidepressants and those things, but those are drugs. Um, I was lucky that I managed to be able to rebuild myself without any of that. Was not therapy, penwellism not a big part of that? So in the rebuilding of my mind, I got to rebuild myself for the first time the way I truly wanted because I had nothing to fear. One of the superpowers of, you look at someone like Gaten McKenzie, 
Gaten McKenzie's superpower is he's done the worst and experienced the worst. He committed heinous crimes and he went to prison, one of the places that most men fear going. And he came out and he's like, so if you want to threaten me with, you'll go to prison, I've been there. Yeah, but what if you have to do like crazy crimes? I've done them. And in rebuilding my mind, I got to solidify my worldview, how I view the world and how I want the world to work. And in solidifying my worldview, I was like, I want other people to view the world like I do. And when you start on that journey, you realize there are a few people in the world that have been imposing their worldview on everyone. And they've been doing it through mainstream media, social media, the money game. The most influential one is religion. Religion is a couple of people that want the world to behave in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And from a young age, they shove religion down your throat. Very manipulative at, yeah, yeah. at times, yeah. No, at all times. Mm. Manipulation doesn't have to be bad. So we'd like to argue that religion has gotten positive. They manipulate you. Don't sin, don't swear at your parents because these are good things. So no, God says I must respect my mom and dad. That's a good thing. Mm. But they do manipulate for negative ends where Josh wants to live in a different way. And people are like, but you're sinning. God doesn't want this. You're like, but why not? Why can't I associate with these people? Oh, they're not part of our religion. They're not part of our race, but they come from another country. And you're like, that doesn't sound right. So I decided to crystallize my worldview into a book called Penalism Principles, which is meant to over time rival the Bible, the Torah, the Quran, the Buddhist writings. And I'm trying to impose my worldview on as many people as I can while I'm alive, because I mm -hmm. won't have control after I'm gone, with the hope of manipulating them for what I think is better. And but part do you, of is, are you worried that that might be, like you said, you went into like business, right? Mm. And you thought at the beginning that this was a solid oh, idea. Good intentions. Good intentions, but do you think that it could possibly go really south? Yeah. I know it could go very south. It could be me. I could lose my mind mm. and get drunk of power and influence. Um, some of my followers could commit crimes and atrocities in my name. Yeah. The Christian Crusades, for example. Jesus did not believe in murder, but there were a lot of people that went around killing millions of people in the name of Christianity. Mm. We've had Islamic wars as well. So at any time, the African National Congress as a political party was founded with good ideals. We would like black people to be recognized as people, to be in the mainstream economy, to be allowed to vote. Later on, people would use the ANC for their own corrupt ends. Mm. Um, so I, I'm fully aware of that. But as you said, you only live once. Yeah. You cannot live as a coward. Otherwise, you do not fully live. Mm. And I'm, I'm fine to take the consequences because it is my choice to go in. Because if I don't, I will always cower to other people's thoughts and ideas and fears. And what I've realized about the guys that run the world is they don't live like that. And that's why they are willing to do what we're not willing to do, which is mass murder millions of people to impose their worldviews. They will colonize, they will shove a language down your throat, they will shove religions and schooling systems, and they will force you to use money, they will mm -hmm. force you to get an ID because they believe it's right. Today you hold the badge and you're like, I sing for the flag. And they're like, look, we won. What happens from here, I don't know, but it's it's one of the things that I've chosen to, to embark upon and I'm, I'm enjoying it. And if you could list just briefly some of the core principles of penalism, what yeah. would they be? The first one is own your mind, which is about critical 
thinking and mm. independence as much as possible. Um, a big one is community. Today we're told to serve a country, a nation, a race, uh, a tribe. Find your community of like-minded people um, and, and serve them, buy from them, work for them, share with them. With that is animalism, which is looking beyond race, looking beyond gender, looking beyond nationality mm -hmm. and finding the animal in a person and finding your animal tribe. So you'll see me with the tall Japanese woman who's a mass murderer. And you're like, why do you hang with this person? They Japanese, they female, they murder people. And I'm like, the type of animal she is identifies with the type of animal I am. I am not going to hang with the next black South African guy who was raised Zulu just because. Meanwhile, we have clashing ideologies. He wants to live in America and loot as much money from the government as possible. Mm. I'm trying to effect change because I'm trying to help people. And this tall Japanese lady is a mass murderer. And when you do the research, she's been killing serial criminals and rapists. I think she's a good person. So I identify with that person. So animalism is about that. I speak about winning. I speak about healthy living, which is very big for me, taking care of your physical and your mental health. Mm. There's stuff on parenting, there's stuff on sex. Those are some of my, my core principles. There's service level stuff, wearing black, um, being a non-racialist, non-sexist. Mm. Oh, that's why I wore all black I, today, except for my shoes. <laughs> Thanks a lot, I appreciate it. But, um, I appreciate it. I think the, the thing you said about community was uh, pretty profound, you know? Yeah. And um, these days, communities are so big. Yes. You know, we, we live in cities or we live in countries or continents and there's so many people everywhere. Yeah. You live in the township, right? There's 20,000 people there or 50,000 people. Yeah. You live in a suburb. There's also a lot of people, but kind of more split up, you yeah. know? Um, I heard something that said people were happier back in the day yeah. when they couldn't travel so much yeah. and they had a smaller community. You can measure it because even today. In a bit, when you live in a big city, Everyone's a stranger. Yeah. Right? Everyone's a stranger. And no one is looking out for each other. Yes. When you live in a small community of 100 people mm -hmm. or 150 people, right? You know everyone. Yes. And if Billy, Bobby, or Sisiswa uh, yes. is not there today, you know, you don't see them walking down the normal route they walk down. You go, where are they? And you worry about them. And you worry about them and you yeah. go check up on them. But in a big city, you everyone don't really notice stranger. that. Everyone's like a stranger. That. Uh, the the one thing that I did see you you said here he de you described a penwellist as someone who acknowledges God Penwell as their leader yeah teacher and life guide and um, can you can you explain that what what is God Penwell where did that name come from when I got to varsity at Rhodes was your name is Penwell right yeah, that yeah. was your birth name yeah okay yeah so yeah. Uh, when I got to Rhodes in Grahamstown first year I met a lot of people that belong to this church group called His People. And we used to laugh at them because they used to harass us. They were like our version of Jehovah's Witnesses. Have you heard of Jesus? Jesus will say like, oh, just get away from me. I decided to engage some of them and I met one lady, an amazing lady from Namibia. And I was like, this is my chance to become the best Christian I could ever be. And it started me on a journey of reading the entire Bible, researching Christianity, researching Islam, researching religion. To a point where when my mind broke and I was reborn, when I decided to sculpt my worldview, 
I was like, what is my belief system? I don't believe in all of these other things and why don't I create my own? And if I create my own, what am I? Am I a preacher? Am I a pastor? Am I a prophet? Am I Jesus? Am I Muhammad? Or am I Buddha? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, I don't think I, I'm that. I think I have the potential to be the source. So when people are like, Jesus says God loves us. Prophet Muhammad says Allah. I'm like, no, bro. I, I, I'm saying I'm the center, which makes me God. I'm not a messenger of God. I am God. I am the beginning and the end. And do you really believe that you're God though? I'll tell you what I believe. So I, I started off as a, as a social experiment and it's been quite interesting how many people get touched by me saying Penrill is God. It bugs them, but it means I'm already having an impact on their psychological state mm -hmm. that they are expending some type of energy in my direction. And some of them are even trying to understand what do you mean? They're curious. I believe, because one of the questions I've been asked, one of the things people have said is religion cannot answer a lot. And at some point people believed in a lot of gods, Thor, the God of thunder, Minerva, mm -hmm. the God of goddess of fertility or whatever. People st still believe them. Some yeah. believe in that. But as science has grown, science has kind of explained where what fertility means, uh, where thunder come and lightning come from. So a lot of gods have disappeared for normal people. But some of the gods that have remained are meant to answer questions like, what is my purpose in life? Which is a very deep philosophical question. Where do we come from? Where are we going? And someone has asked me as a panelist, where do we come from and where are we going? And this answers the question of why I am God. And I've said that nothing exists until I exist. So everything that I see and experience is a manifestation of my consciousness. Mm. There is no world that existed before me. You can tell me, but look at history. I'm like, I created you in my consciousness to tell me what you're telling me now. Mm. But if I die, you and whatever history don't exist. And I have the ability to change this history in real time. Because if you're like, no, bro, Nelson Mandela was a hero. I'm like, no, he wasn't. He was actually sent by certain people that funded him. And if I tell a convincing enough story, I can make you believe something else. And if you become influential enough, you can write books and create schools that change the narrative. Was Hitler good? Certain Germans at some point thought so. Was Hitler good? Certain people today believe he was a tyrant. So it depends on the story. He and was a mass murderer and a complete lunatic, yeah. There's a lot of mass murderers that are deemed good people historically yeah. who are claimed like who, to have United Nations. Well, Shaga is an example of the Zulu nation. He was a mass murderer. Humans are so flawed. Yes. We have extremely bad tendencies yeah. and we latch onto things very easily. So when I hear someone say, God, right? Yeah. I go, that's sounds like a cult leader yeah. or something like that. It is a cult know? leader. So do, would you, would you say you are leading a cult? I believe so. And how do you think that is, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> so because when I see people following blindly, right? Yes. And I see it a lot. You see it with people like Andrew Tate. Sure. Right, you, like just, that's the most recent one <laughs> that everyone will- Andrew will actually is a cult Will come know. to, 100%, yeah. right? When I see people like that, I go, 
as a person, mm. I like to observe different kinds of people, right? Yeah. When someone says, I know the way, sure. follow me yes. and don't question anything. Yeah. Because in the Penwell principles, you do say like, be a critical thinker. 100%. But then on the other hand, you say, listen to Penwell. No, I don't say listen to Penwell. I say a Penwellist is someone who sees mm. me as their leader and lifeguard. Yeah. So you choose. Lifeguard, yeah. It's not me saying, listen to me. It's me saying, you can choose to listen to me. And if you do, then you are, I guess what you'd call a cult mm. follower. But if they listen to you, right? So, and if they want to be part of like, uh, they want to be a penwellist or yeah. in penwellism, right? Yeah. Once they join, yeah. do you expect people to go, now I'm fully just listening to you? Or do you still expect them to go, mm, I like what Andrew Tate says, right? Sure. About um, be a critical thinker. Yeah. Don't uh, listen to the governments because they're manipulating you. Stuff like that kind of makes sense, right? We yeah. all saw during COVID, very, uh, we were all manipulated in a lot of ways. 100%. Um, some for good reasons, some for really bad reasons, yeah. right? Um, and I think it's so dangerous to believe everything someone says. I agree. Because like I say, people are so flawed. Yes. And just because you agree with one thing, right? Doesn't mean you should agree with everything. And when like Hitler, right? Yeah. There were so many people that were so desperate mm. for a new world, yeah. a new Germany, bring back the, the great superpower that they were. Yeah. And they believed that he could do it. And he did. And he did very yeah. briefly. <laughs> very briefly, he brought Germany and it was back to its original power. You know? yeah. They were a superpower. They could have taken over the world yeah. if uh, some things were done differently, right? Yeah. But everyone believed that this guy was going to lead them into the future. Yeah. And we all saw where that went. It went very badly. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, social media platforms don't allow us to unpack the story of Hitler. Particularly because there are unfortunately very influential Jewish interests on social media. And any hint of anti-Semitism is, is shut down immediately. Hitler was a very complicated character. And he did a lot of good for Germany. And arguably, there was one major flaw. It was major. People were murdered just for being, which is wrong. But you can list maybe like 10 to 20 amazing things he did. But I don't want to speak about Hitler. Mm. For, for me, it doesn't matter how many amazing things you do. I if, hear you. If you do something that is that bad and that heinous, I mean, killing... I know the numbers are always speculated, but yeah. six, seven million Jews, a lot of black people, yeah. a lot of disabled people, yeah. basically anyone that wasn't perfect According in, in, to him. in his eyes, yeah. right? Uh, and as a black person, yeah. and me, I'm a Jewish person, sure. right? I'm not religious, but sure. I was born Jewish. Yeah. We would have been seen as inferior. 100%. Um, so I'll go back to the original question about the cult. Um, I didn't invent English as a language. Mm. Uh, and English has got dictionaries with definitions. I've learned to study definitions. And when something meets a definition, it therefore ticks the box. According to the definition of a cult, I tick the box. Definitely. <laughs> but, I love, uh, I love far, it. You're like, yes, I am a cult leader. <laughs> yeah. But as far as the connotations, yeah. um, I think it's connotations. How people feel. Yeah. I'm definitely, it's definitely not a cult and I'm not a cult leader. So if you're like, but in cults, people drink blood. No, there's no such definition. You don't go into a dictionary and they're like, 
A cult is where people drink blood and murder mm -hmm. innocent people. A cult is a belief system where there is a central figure and that person is the center of whatever the belief system is. Mm -hmm. And if you use that definition, back in the day, Jesus Christ was a cult leader because he essentially said, I'm God's son. I was born of a virgin mother. Arguably people like Muhammad, cult leader, Buddha, mm. is a cult leader. But over time, if you convince enough people and generally if you do good things, it then graduates to become a religion. Because if you say culture, if you say cult, if you say religion, religion sounds decent, cult mm. sounds bad. Yeah. So I guess it would take time, what you said about intentions and action, it would take time to see if my cult is Jim Jones or if my cult actually graduates to a religion where people are like, actually this thing is not bad. Yesterday a panelist helped me clean my garden. Yesterday a panelist helped some poor kids somewhere. So in that sense, I'm a cult leader by English definition, but not a cult leader by connotation out there in the, mm -hmm. in the world. And do you guys accept everyone? No, um, very elite, very exclusive. And I'm, I need to work on it. It's still new. Because like, uh, uh, yeah. imagine, imagine Jesus in his first few years, a lot of people thinking he's a quack, there's this fucking crazy guy who was on the Wide Awake podcast saying, I'm, I'm God's son and my mom gave birth to I me. I always said if Jesus actually came back, like the, the rebirth of Christ, I don't know how yeah. well, I'm not Christian, but if he actually came back, people would put him in a mental institute. Of course. Because they would go, this guy's I'm, mad. We see a lot of homeless people saying, yeah. I'm the son of God. I'm Jesus reborn. Facts. No one believes them. Facts. So uh, I'm happy you said that, but that's the story of Jesus. I like that you referenced Tate. So Tate is a cult figure. Uh, again, he meets the definition, but I don't think he's a negative. Um, Tate, like Kanye West, like myself, we believe in independent and critical thought. Mm. My first principle is own your mind. I think the second one or the third one is lies and truth. That not everything you think is a lie is a lie. Not everything you think is a truth is a truth. It's based on how well it's been sold to you. Whether there's a pandemic in the world and you heard it from the president and the World Health Organization, because you respect those figures, you believe it is a truth. Yeah. Someone else will come and tell you, but this isn't true. So if you own your mind, the first principle, you will then question, and then you can decide for yourself if this is a lie or a truth. So my principles and my belief system by definition require you to be a critical thinker. I don't like blind followers. But Andrew I feel Tate, like the definition of a cult is being a blind follower. No. That's the thing, the definition's there. And religion, because you're following something no. that there's no proof of. No there's, no, there's no such definition. So the definition of religion is organized belief systems. That's all it is. Okay. Again, the dictionary is there. Then people add their own things. When you say religion, like, oh, so where's your church? There's no definition that says a religion has churches. It is an organized belief system. A you church can have is a, religion a place online. people created to meet up, yeah. A, ch a church, by definition, mm. is a place of worship. Yeah. Normally for a and religion. And it can be anywhere. Belief. 100%. So yeah. again, I didn't invent English. And when people ask these questions, I have to answer them based on definition. Yeah. Um, you could ask me, Penn, do you think you're crazy? <laughs> and I'd be like, look, according to definition, I probably am. Mm. What you were saying about Jesus now, but I don't believe I am and I, I can explain why. Andrew Tate speaks a lot about the matrix. Kanye West speaks about the matrix. They speak about questioning things out in the world. The problem with the followers Again, there were Christian crusades where blind followers- I mean, Tate's Muslim as well. He's Muslim now, yeah. yeah. So those people will come in, this is for my country, and then go kill people in Zambia. 
No, I'm doing this for my president. This is for the people of... That now, when people are going to say that leader's bad, look at what his followers are doing. You have to ask, did the leader sanction that and ask for that? And if mm -hmm. the answer is no, you cannot put that on the leader. I can't get a kid on social media who's psycho, who's going to be like, I'm a penalist. I just killed five people. Penalism must rule. Like, penal, look at your people. I'm like, who the fuck is that? I've never endorsed such bullshit. Don't put that on me in the same way you can't endorse a South African killing someone in Canada is look at what South Africans are doing. I think the important thing is when putting out statements and and like, you know, the problem, the great thing about a podcast is it allows you to get your, your and social media, it allows you to get your perspective and points across, right? Yeah. The dangerous thing is a lot of people run with what you say yeah. and not what you mean, right? So I can say something, but because I'm not providing enough context necessarily, because I might say something that really resonates with someone, yeah. but to me, it's just something I'm saying, yeah. right? And I don't realize that, oh, maybe I need to go into more context about that, yeah. right? So it can get very, um, people can latch onto stuff, even if it's not what you mean. Of and course. my thing is like, when there's one central leader, right? Again, using Tatum as an example, yeah. um, it doesn't matter what his intentions are. It's when you're trying to lead a rebellion in a way, that's yes. what he's trying to do, it is right? What he's doing. Um, it can get very messy. Yes. I also find it very um, troublesome when someone at the top profits, like Tate, right? Because he's got like Hustlers University, all that crap. I hear you. So I, whenever I see someone, and I'm not saying you, sure. I'm saying, Use Tate as an example, right? Sure. And I'm not saying whether I like him or I don't like sure. him. I don't really have much of an opinion. Um, when I see someone at the top yeah. and they preach all these things, yeah. and we've seen it a lot recently, it's really started to happen on social media, um, and they preach all these things, but somehow it always ends up funneling to a bank account. Sure. It always, sign up for Hustlers University, sign up for whatever, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's where I find the issue. Sure. And with religion as well, I find that's an issue as well. Sure. Like I helped a guy. Um, he was on my podcast before. His name was Umdalaga. Yeah. And he was a former child soldier from Burundi. Sure. And we raised like 120,000 rand for him or something because he needed like construction equipment and he needed stuff to live his life, you know, yeah. rebuild it again. He was here alone in Cape Town. And uh, his parents were killed in Burundi. Yeah. Um, and we raised this money for him and we gave it to him. Yeah. And he was living destitute poverty, yeah. right? In the back of like a construction shop. And we gave him this money. Yeah. And he gave so much of it away to the church yeah. because he needed to pay tithe. It's called tithe, right? Tithe, yeah. 10%. And, I, and he said, I haven't paid tithe in so long, so I need to give this to God. Yeah. And I said, God will understand if you need this money. <laughs> you don't need to give it away. And he was so, I don't want to say indoctrinated, but he was so, uh, he believed this so strongly that he kept giving away this money that was meant for him to live his life, right? So I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, I've gone through similar thoughts that you've had, mm -hmm. and I got angry. Probably angrier than you. At some point, I was I'm not angry. I'm just observing about, like, I'm observant when it comes to these kind of things. Because I'm you're, always, not, you're not, you're not angry when cult leaders get blindly exploit followers for their own profit. I think it's very. It doesn't make you angry. It's artificial anger. 
Okay. Because I think I'm angry about things that impact the people around me. Okay. Right? And I'm always the kind of person that I don't want to, when someone says, oh, there's a war in Ukraine, right? Yeah. There's shit going down here too. Facts. I don't need to focus on Ukraine. Sure. So I try to focus on the people around me. I hear you. Right? So if there's a crazy cult thing going on, yeah, I might go, fuck, that's crazy. But I'm not going to get super angry and go there. And until, your, until your mom joins Penrillism. No, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm <laughs> You're saying. You're like, what the so fuck? With me, I try to focus on just making sure the people around me are good. That's pretty dope. I, I like that. I don't want to. And You know what I mean? I'm in South Africa. Why yeah. must I focus on a war in Ukraine? Yeah. Right? And people get outraged on social media. People in Ukraine that don't know where South Africa is. That's what, what I'm saying. Happening, and I'm not care. saying don't help Ukraine. Yeah. I'm just saying help your community first. 100%. That's why community is important. Yeah. Me bringing these things up is not me attacking. I'm and very even interested. Dude, I, because I, want, I want to, I want to, like, you know, I wanted to know more about it and kind of challenge some of the things because yeah. that's how you learn about things is by challenging them, I find, you know. So, so because if I just said, what is penalism and you said something and you're like, cool. And, and I'm like, cool. It's not a, it's not an interesting discussion. The, the danger is what you do for people like myself who are psycho sociopaths is you give us tools on how to become better monsters. <laughs> that's the danger. So I'm a scam artist. I scam money from people, old grannies, etc. Then you're like, why do you only go for grannies? You're obviously going for the vulnerable. I'm like, yeah. oh, so if I scammed young people, you wouldn't be able to scam young people. Why not? Because young people look for these things. I'm like, so if I gave you those things, you're like, oh, maybe you'd get money from them. Mm -hmm. like, I got it. Now I'm going to scam young people because Josh, what I mean by that is I'm happy to take questions yeah. and I'm happy to try answer. And if I don't have the answers, I'll be like, I don't know. Yeah. But depending on what I'm trying to build, I'm going to go and do the research and mm -hmm. be like, how do I win Josh over? When I win him over, when you get back, be like, I've collapsed penalism. <laughs> oh, dog, well done. I'm like, I've actually started a band and yeah. we sing. And, but when you look at the substance of everything in the band, we give out t-shirts with my face. Mm. Everyone chants, pen, pen, pen. Yeah, I mean, even people give me money. Yeah. I'm like, but this guy's still building the same thing. I mean, if you look at Taylor Swift, I reckon she's the biggest cult. Yeah. So, <laughs> I so mean, it's crazy. You I'm like, jo Josh mm. was willing to follow me as long as I package it this way. Yeah. And that becomes the danger is all I'm saying. But I, I don't mind being attacked. I don't mind being questioned because mm. it also helps me crystallize more. Yeah. That's why today I can say penalism is not for the masses because it's not. And if people have found a sense of peace and home and family and success, in Judaism, in Rastafarianism, please don't come to me. Mm. Don't even ask me about penalism. You're, you're, you found your way, yeah. do your thing, bro. Penalism is for the lost. people that have tried those things and If you are lost, out. if you want something else, if you yeah. think I'm cool, if you're interested, like, bro, let's, you know, I, mm -hmm. I'm curious. If you're like, oh, okay, I think it's a shit show. I'm like, cool, at least you, you found out that it's a shit show. Yeah. You can go out there and say it's a shit <laughs> show. If you're like, bro, I think this is yeah. pretty dope. Then it's dope and we move. There, there was a video I wanted to watch and it's kind of related to this topic. Yeah. Let me just pull it up here. Oh snap, you do videos now. Dude, we're, what? Doing, we're doing everything here. I wanted to ask you about this video, right? Oh snap. Because I was just looking, this was a men's conference you were doing. This video is, was never meant to be on the internet. <laughs> Why, was it a bad video? Or you posted it on Instagram. So this video was- uh, That's how I saw it, it was on Instagram. It was organized by a bunch of really dope gents from Newcastle that form Ibuto is the name of their group. And they hosted a men's conference in a township called Osizwen in Newcastle. And it was exclusively men. There were a lot of ladies, partners and stuff that wanted to attend. And the guys turned them away at the door. They were like, it's strictly for men. Mm. So I asked, can uncensored, unfiltered, they're like, go in. 
and they recorded. I thought they were recording it just for the guys. I didn't know they want to put it on the internet because mm. I was like, so I said certain stuff that I wouldn't generally say because some of it is politically incorrect. Yeah. Uh, so I said stuff that, that I wouldn't say on a public platform. There was just one, there was, uh, this is like 30 seconds, yeah, this part. Sure. It's not a big, I just cut a little piece of it out. And someone said it earlier, and it's because we're not honest. And we focus on so much rubbish instead of the fundamentals of being powerful. If you guys want to be, let's say, a powerful Zulu nation. The power comes in numbers. That means there's power in numbers. There's power in weaponry. The Zulu nation wants to be powerful. They need to get nuclear weapons. They need to get drone weapon technology. They need to get fighter jets and guns. Every house here was Zulu. That's power. Can you guys grow your own food? Or are you asking the Jewish pick and pay to feed you? Can you guys so have your own wealth? So that's what I wanted to talk about was the, the first, the Zulu, the, the, the nuclear weapons and stuff like that. What are your thoughts behind that? Um, Do you think that's a good idea? What is what a good idea? For more people to have access to no. those kinds of weapons. Zero. Most human beings are stupid and reckless. And yeah. They bomb the entire fucking world. <laughs> I believe human beings are animals. And human beings believe they are smarter animals with... Uh, consciousness and cognitive reasoning at various times we are always exposed to just be animals and as with animals there are predators and there's prey and the predators are the elites that control the world and they've managed to do this in a couple of ways over time religion being one of them um money being probably one of the biggest ones today mm-hmm. um generally war and even to this day when Language was a great one. The ability to, to psychologically convince someone of something or get them to give up their land or their woman just because mm-hmm. you said something. When a predator, a guy, an elite guy cannot out-negotiate you, out-manipulate you with their words, they try to buy you with their money. Or intimidate you with weapons. So that comes last. Yeah. So they try with their words first and then after that they try to bribe you, you know, uh, do you want a car? What we call capturing pen. Mm-hmm. Let's give you some money and then you'll push our agenda. Um, they try and give you things like, oh, we'll give you all the pretty girls that you want. This guy loves women. Yeah. When they failed with all of those things and you have like a moral core and you're like, this is my vision. Once they realize that they can't convert you and convince you in any other way. Today, we've got cancel culture on the internet where they cut off your bloodline in terms of you can't get booked. No one will sponsor you, et cetera. Mm-hmm then they, they go back to what animals do and they kill you. So some of the greatest leaders, especially for black Africans, have been killed. They try to bribe them. They try to sit in rooms with them and negotiate like they did with Mandela at some point when he forgave after mm-hmm. he came out of prison. And when they can't win, like if Mandela was like, we're not forgiving. As soon as you release us, we're continuing with and we're going to launch a civil war. They were going to kill him or keep him in prison till he passes away but they managed to convince them and they negotiated and Codessa happened. So they kill. And when it comes to killing, of course, it's the person with the superior weapons that gets to dominate. Um, America, serious nuclear weapons. Um, Russia, serious nuclear weapons. The reason why North Korea doesn't get fucked with is because Kim Jong-un has got serious nuclear weapons. So the people that have the most superior weapons get to dominate. If North Korea decided to colonize, which they don't, the world, it would be tough. 
America does it now with neocolonialism. The British did it back in the day. North Korea has got a good stake to be able to colonize, but they don't. They keep to themselves, which upsets the West because the West likes fiddling in people's lives. But they like, we'll keep to ourselves, but if you come to our home, we'll bomb the shit out of you. We're not coming to America. We're not setting up a North Korea military base. We're not trying to teach Korean to African nations. We are keeping to ourselves. Stay the fuck away from us. But if you come close, we will bomb you. So, so you're saying it would be good for, say, Africa, South Africa, the Zulu nation to have it for protection? To say, no, I'm saying, I was saying in, in this men's conference, if the Zulu nation wanted to be dominant, yeah. they would need to have superior weapons. Because part of the argument for how black people in South Africa were dispossessed of their land was through superior weaponry. Mm. When you ask the average black person, how did you lose the land? Ah, oh, bro, white people had guns. It's like, oh, okay, so you believe white people took the land because of guns. Mm. The counter argument would be, if you want the land back, you would need to have superior guns. So my argument was, if Zulu people want to dominate, you could try and use modern ways, accumulate as much money as possible, and then go around the world and set up Zulu camps. Yeah. Um, you could do it through music, you could do it through movies, uh, whatever it is. But at the ultimate level, when you've failed to use all these other tools, mm. the last uh, line of defense becomes weaponry yeah. and violence. And, and that's what I was saying, that if people wanted that, now, on a smaller scale for your family, we had the riots in KZN. Yeah, and I, was, saw, I was at the riots in KZN. I was in Cape Town, I saw they were rioting, and I flew... There's to, something <laughs> wrong with you. I flew there to document There's it. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> Jeez. We don't have enough of those type of investigative uh -huh. journalists anymore, which is quite sad. It's a sacrifice and it's a risk, but those people get us footage we'd never, ever see otherwise. The other thing that came up in this, in this video was, obviously, the Jewish pay yeah. and pay. And... Yeah. I just wanted you to elaborate on what you meant because I didn't watch the whole thing. Sure. So when I some of it is in Isizulu. Yeah, but yeah. when I saw that that one comment, obviously being a Jewish person, yeah, um, I kind of I wasn't offended. Sure. But I wanted to know more. What did you take from it? For me, when like when I hear, are you buying from the Jewish pick and pay? Yeah. Right, because it, it is quite popular to hate on Jewish people. I mean, 100%. Jewish people like black people, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying me because I'm I've born in a different time. Sure. But Jewish people over history mm. have been some of the most persecuted people on earth. Do you know how many Jewish people there are in the world? I think 14 million. 16 million. Okay. Do you Probably. know do you know how many Muslims there are? If I had to guess uh, 1 billion? There was 1.8 billion Muslims 1. and 1.8 billion. And there's 1.6 there's 2.6 billion Christians, sure. right? And I like when I see people throwing comments about Judaism, not being a religious guy, yeah, right, just being someone who has Jewish friends and family and was born Jewish. Sure, I always feel protective over people. And sure. when I see like comments, something like that, right, and I don't know the intention behind it, mm? but I go, why do people hate Jews so much? Okay, right. What is it about them? There's so few of us. When you think about it, right. Eight or seven, eight million people, Jewish people, were killed during the Holocaust. Sure. Right? There's only double that population today. Sure. And they've done so much. Right? Jews left Germany with nothing. Sure. Nothing. No family. No friends. People couldn't even find their families because someone was taken to this camp and someone was taken to this camp. You don't know. Yeah. So people found family members in their 90s, 50 years after the war, because 
they had no way of contacting them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jews have been through so much. And I know a lot of other people as well, but for me, I'm Jewish. Sure. So that's what I'm focusing on. Sure. Right? And they've done so much. Like people always say, like Kanye said, Jews run Hollywood. Sure. Isn't that impressive? With 15 million people, some of the most influential people in the world sure. are Jewish. And a lot of them are Jewish. Sure. Right? I don't go, wow, the Jews are taking over or the Jewish media or this, you, you know what I mean? Sure. I go with 15 million people. I posted a video on Instagram a few months ago that got 20 million views. That's fucking dope. Congrats. Bro. I got a 40 million view video as well. That's like three times or double the amount of Jews there are in the world, right? <laughs> I, go, I think people should look at what the Jews are doing. What is, what is the video? So people can go check it out that haven't seen it. Dude, it was just a video of me and Caroline doing a dance. Oh, shit. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is like that's a silly dope. video like that yeah. got double the amount of viewership than the entire Jewish population. Sure. So I go, I think it's amazing what Jewish people have done. Sure. Why does everyone hate them? And you took out a, a bit of hate from what I said? I thought instead, like, instead of like maybe admiration, not like necessarily Jewish pick and pay. Like when I heard like the Jewish pick and pay, I always thought like, it's like, don't buy from them. They've got enough. Okay. Buy from your own people. That's how I felt when I heard that. Okay. You really don't know why Jews have been persecuted historically. I can't really think of a reason. No. So I can't say it here. Cause again, you can say, I can bleep it out. No, don't bleep it out. Um, what I will say is um, I urge people to go and research mm. why Jews have been persecuted historically. Um, it's not to validate that it's fair. It's to explain why. Yeah. Because in South Africa, we've got a situation where certain African foreigners are being persecuted by black South Africans. So if someone's like, bro, but there are so few immigrants and, you know, these people come from poor countries. It's like, sure, but do you know why? Because the why is very important. Um, I come from Zimbabwe as well. I was born in- Go Zim back home. We, 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 we came here because of what was happening in Zim. With Mugabe. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> double whammy, Jewish and Zimbabwean. And Zimbabwean. Um, like I say, I haven't felt this, right? Sure. I haven't felt the persecution. Yeah. And I was very young in Zim. So yeah. I don't remember that. So I'm not trying to start a pity party or anything. No, no, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. So, so the reason you haven't felt it is because you're white. Yeah, 100%. So if someone's like, but why the white Zimbabweans? Because they're white. So there's a reason. They're attacking the black Zimbabweans, but not the white And ones. I said and this you on your why. podcast as you well. You did. I said, no one looks at me as a Zimbabwean, sure. right? In South Africa, because I'm white. Yeah. But if you're a black Zimbabwean, you experience xenophobia, sure. a lot of hate, you sure. know? Um, there's a reason why various people get persecuted. And then you get to decide for yourself. This is the own your mind principle. You get to decide for yourself if you think it's fair or not. Um, there's a lot of jealousy and envy generally as well, especially with the Jewish community. Huge, yeah. Uh, historically. So I'm going to use this example without going to the history. I urge people to do the research. Yeah. Idi Amin chased away Asians, I think in Uganda, when he was the leader there, because he felt Asians were running the economy and taking all the jobs and etc. So there have been similar utterings of Jewish people across the world, across the world. And mm. A big part of the persecution is the jealousy and the envy of the success, etc. And I've watched an amazing channel. It's called Living Lichayim now. Uh, it used to be called Kosher Money uh, with uh, Eli Langer, amazing gent. And for people that don't know Jewish people who would like to get into the heads of Jewish people, mm -hmm. listen to rabbis. Manus Friedman is my favorite, just a sage, so wise. 
go and watch that because I, I love human beings and I want to learn from so many people. Mm. Um, one of the penalism principles of the 30 is um, the admiration of the Jewish people. Um, so that's actually in the book. It's one of the chapters. I admire Jewish people. So what was meant to come out from what you heard was an admiration of what has been built. Okay. Um, so that's why I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Nothing wrong with for that. For clarify. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. And I, I understand why you'd be triggered because you've got the Kanye West, you've got the world and you've got a I situation. Mean, if, if you go on Twitter... It's. I've been attacked. I've been accused of anti-Semitism. But I mean, if you go on Twitter, if the amount of anti-Semitism on Twitter. But if Twitter you type Jewish moment, on anything on Twitter, Jewish people come and comment. Yeah. And they ask for clarity, and like it's a standard thing, uh, because of never again. There's a there's a Jewish slogan: never again, mm -hmm. never again will yeah. the Holocaust happen. And obviously, I'm a black guy. Some people might say I'm controversial. I've said before I love Kanye West. So if I'm gonna raise Jewish somewhere, it's gonna be like, hey. Stop there. What is this guy mm. saying? Because of never again, because of the historical persecution, currently, as amazing as Jewish people are, uh, of which I know a lot of amazing Jewish people who have done a lot of amazing charity, who have invested mm -hmm. in a lot of spaces other people wouldn't invest in, Jewish people do try and protect and defend themselves. Of course. And when you do that, it, it adds to the fuel. They it, have to, though. No, I understand. Because no one else is going to. Sure, but I, I'm, I'm trying to explain. Yeah. Because if, if you, as an example, are going to claim there's certain things you don't know or don't understand, mm. I almost have an obligation to explain. Yeah, of course. So that you understand. It's like the taking a picture of a homeless person. Yeah. And also being a Jewish person, I also have some biases. No, no, no of course. You know? and, and, you, and you're allowed. Yeah. And someone else is going to be like, Pin, why did you even answer? Of course he's going to watch what Jewish. You're like, bro, I have to because <laughs> I care about Josh and yeah. I care about people like Josh because Josh is a good person. And he needs to understand, I mean, a clear, a good example for me, I'm a paying member of AfriForum. Big white Afrikaans group, generally. Uh, I sit with white Afrikaans people and I have debates with them and some of them get very heated. And sometimes they're like, Pen, I don't fucking understand, bro, why? And I'm like, bro, do you really want to know why? Because I can explain, but my explanation might upset you. Mm. because you need to understand the perspective. Our departure points are different. For the average person, they don't understand because everyone, everyone's departure point is about them and their interest. Mm. Um, let me just finish this quick point so that in case we don't cover it. I was speaking to a group filled with black Zulu guys and Zulu people used to be a homogenous group of black people under the leadership of Ushaga Zulu as a leader there. Zulu was a tribe. Zulu had their own belief system, their own dress, their own diet, their own way of living. And many people have asked to this day, what does it mean to be Jewish? Is it a religion? Mm. Is it a nationality? Is that Israeli? Is it a language? No, you speak Hebrew. Like, what is it being Jew or being Jewish? Um, and some people struggle to articulate you know, I want to be Jewish. You're like, yeah, but you're not from Israel. Like, what do you mean? So when I reference a Jewish pick and pay, I'm speaking of a community of people. And if I'm speaking to a group of Zulu people and I reference a Jewish pick and pay, you're a, saying a white support your own, a white Afrikaans, Orania, mm. a Arab Muslim Dubai. I'm saying, look at what a group of like-minded people has been able to achieve. Okay. And someone might be like, oh, you're saying they mustn't buy from pick and pay. I'm like, 
that's stupid. And if you feel I'm like that, it's sad. I can explain. Mm. But again, intention and saying and meaning, it's up to you. So I have the empathy. Most other people like me don't. So Julius Malima sings Dubuli Bonu at the EFF 10th year, 10-year mm. celebration anniversary. Benny Johnson in America goes and clips that and then fake news, sadly. The black, he calls it the black political party in South Africa, whatever that yeah. means. It's got racial, racist undertones. The black political party in South Africa singing, kill the white man, right? Um, I mean, it's, someone was killed the other day, I, I believe. Julius Malema said something about the farmers again. Okay. And another farmer was killed, from what I heard. What did you hear? I heard that he at a rally or something, he was, he, the, the fuck the book came up again. So he sang it at the 10, 10 year celebration yeah. last weekend. And then someone was killed. I don't know if it was related, but it's, okay. it was very- that, That's very important, by yeah. the way. That's what I don't I'm know if it was related, yeah. That's why I'm asking you to say it slowly, because this yeah. is where misinformation comes in. Of course, yeah. Um, it has not been reported. I know Aaron Strutz, one of the leaders of AfriForum, tweeted this. Mm. And he's obviously automatically linking it. But there's no proof of that. And if they can prove it, by all means, they must. And Julius and the EFF must account, in my opinion. Anyways, Benny Johnson puts this, and the song is very polarizing. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. You can see it on social media today. Black people are attacking white people because of this song. Some black people are saying, this song is not saying what... But the fact is, you guys are arguing because of the song. Elon Musk then goes on Twitter, on X, and... He's like, they're calling for white genocide in South Africa. Tax, Ramaphosa. You haven't said anything about this. And upsetting. He's an ex-South African, wealthiest man in the world, etc. I decided to go and make a video where I tried, I think in 30 minutes, I tried to explain from both sides, from all sides, this song, the dynamic, the thought. I reference Afri Forum and the court case, etc. Julius Malima goes on, a, on some conference thing. He doesn't mention my name. He says these unemployed, broke, poor podcasters <laughs> who are seeking relevance are what, what I don't think he or even his people took time to actually listen to what I was saying. No, they actually never wasn't yeah. even attacking him. Yeah. Um, but I know Julius is a populist. He speaks to an audience to get them pumped. My point was this. People like me, you raise something like this, they'll be like, what do you mean, Jewish speakers? So what? Oh, you're here to defend Jews. Yeah, this is what, and you're like, you're not even trying to have empathy, bro. So it becomes tough for people like me because I have to try and defend black people, white people, Zulus, mm -hmm. Afrikaners, and to almost each group, when you speak, as soon as I'm like, but the thing about Zulu people is like, oh, so you're defending. Then as soon as like, you know, that guy's at Africa, oh, you're a sellout. Look at what they've done with Orania. Stop defending white, we want our land back. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not even trying to have empathy. And then I get attacked, like, I'm being crucified like Jesus, but like by all the different groups. And, but and that it comes with the territory. No, 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 I know. You know? I, I because when you say like things like, I am God, Penwell, yeah. and I'm a cult leader, it's yeah. going to come. Sure. But like, I know you, right? I don't know you, know you. Sure. But I can tell you're built to handle that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so whether it goes your way or it doesn't, I'm very interested to see how it plays out. I mean, how, how long has Penwellism been going on Shit. for? I wanted to give a shout out to this guy. Ah. Which guy? Penalism. I'm also, I'm, by the way, I'm friends with Elon Musk's dad on Facebook. Oh, snap. He's <laughs> got some dodgy stories that time. Up, but oh, yeah, he, he does. He yeah. seems like a, a top shelf gent. And look, his kids are pretty chilled. So you think Elon's chilled? 
<laughs> look, his, his kids are cool and they have mm. incredible success in a, in a range of things. Not yeah. just Elon Kimball. Yeah, I don't know any of the sister. others. Yeah. I mean, the guy, I think, married a model because Elon's mm. mom was like a model and she's dynamic. So, sorry. Anyways, um, have, I met an amazing, I just forgot his name and I apologize. I met an amazing uh, Jewish uh, timer, I'll call him a timer, uh, who runs, I think, one of the biggest online live stream platforms specifically for the Jewish community. And he I, was, I know exactly, I've done a talk on there before. Do you know his name? I've just, uh, fuck, I just forgot his name, but I, I've, I, I, I wanted to give him a shout out. I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, I was, uh, during lockdown, I did a talk for about, I think it was like 500 people yeah. about photography, and he invited me on. And That's dope. It was, so yeah. Gary Cliff was hosting Justice Malala at Cliff Central and I was there and he came up to me and he's like, Black Pen, I like your shit. And I thought, well, I don't think he said shit. I like your, your content. I was like, thank you. And I was like, yo, there's some people in my community who are like, you're anti-Semitic and you're, and I'm like, I'm the furthest thing. And he's like, I don't think you are, but it would be so dope if we sit and chat. And I was like, anytime. So mm. We're currently making a plan to have a sit down. Gareth Cliff him. said this. No, not Gareth Cliff, this gentleman. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jewish gentleman. Uh, and with other people uh, in the Jewish community, mm -hmm. because like I've sat with white Afrikaners, sat with Khalids, I'm hoping to sit with some uh, Indian, Indian South African people. Um, I'd like to sit with some Jewish people, you know, and get them to unpack certain things. There is so much ignorance in the world and it's what breeds hate and discrimination. Mm -hmm. um, some of the prejudice in the world is founded. Like black people's pain, it's valid. It's of relevant. Course. Yeah. I feel, yeah, everyone's yeah. famous. Yeah. But now when it, when, <laughs> when that you, sounds like all lives matter. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I was like, everyone is. <laughs> but when you yeah. lash out at Josh, like you also need to understand Josh's story. So hear my story, hear Josh's story. Like, 100%, oh shit, yeah. you're struggling like me. Fuck, you're broke like me. And then we have a fat laugh. Like, okay, so where, where we're, we're both two broke podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> so where the fuck is the problem? You're like, but... The guy who sent me here is like Julius or mm. Cyril. You're like, but they live in Hyde Park, Santon. And the guy who sent you to come beef with me, he's living in Hyde Park, Santon. Their fucking kids go to the same school. These guys have money. Yeah. Why are we fighting? Because we're the same. So it becomes that religion, what argument mm. of if we can teach more people, you'll realize if you are going to have prejudice and hate and frustration, Isolated to the right people mm. and don't bash someone that looks like someone you don't like. Yeah. And Lex Friedman did an amazing conversation with Kanye and he was trying to be like, I thought he didn't do a great job with that interview. Why not? I felt like he just let Kanye speak too much and he, he didn't, had, and he didn't push back enough. On he had things. no choice. You can't, you can't, you can't silence Kanye. Yeah. It's, it's not about silencing Kanye. You can't even speak over if, him. If you have a platform to invite guests to allow them free thought, mm. you're not, you're not allowed to. There's a, there's a line you can't cross in terms of pushback because it's not just them you alienate. Because in your head, you're like, I fucking told him. Julius came through. I told him you're a populist, you're a hypocrite, mm -hmm. you flip-flop. There are so many people like Julius that look up to Julius who will never come to your platform. Or well, you'll, you'll alienate your audience, yeah. You'll alienate but a lot I think of some people. things are worth being alienated over. No. Because... Because you become, the, the you, thing, become you become you yeah. become them. When, when I was watching Whoever it, whatever them is, you become them. When I was watching it, I was just like, I don't know. Because you can push back in a nice way. You don't have to be. You're wrong. This is wrong. Friedman did an amazing job of pushing back. Oh no, I didn't think so. I think he got overrun there. 
No, Kanye will always be Kanye. You also yeah. allow that. Joe, got Rogan, really, Joe Rogan is much better at pushing back. When Joe Rogan brought Kanye on, it was so fascinating. He almost said nothing. It I was think, before all of the other stuff. Though, I think yeah. he prepped. It's when Kanye was running for president. Yeah. Joe Rogan had prepped that this guy speaks a lot. And so I'm not gonna, because Kanye does what he did on Piers Morgan. He'll be like, yeah, but you're doing the thing. And mm. Kanye gets loud and he's like, nah, I didn't take my meds. And then he hides behind, you know, Jesus is the Lord. And you're like, I, I actually mm. can't have a coherent because he, he pulls these cards. It might be race. You, it might be whatever. Do you think that he's extremely intelligent or mentally ill or both? I'll tell you. So I think Lex Friedman did an amazing job. And one of the things he asked Kanye was, why say Jewish people? Why not isolate the people? Mm. You can mention that they are Jewish, but don't just say Jewish people because, bro, you've got so many fans who are Jewish, so many people you work with. So and when you say Jewish people, they're like, bro, like, I, I love you. Like, why am I catching straight bullets? And it was a very valid question. Very valid. And it was the right question. Why not isolate to Fervut and the apartheid government? Yes, the rest of the people were complicit because they didn't do anything. Yes, the rest of the Germans were complicit, but it was Hitler and it was the, the Nazi leadership. They forced the system. But now you're bashing. Mm -hmm. Ha! I don't believe you that. You see the bias? This is what happened. But I see the same now, thing with let me, apartheid. Let me finish this point. Because there was a lot of white people that fought against apartheid let, as well. Let me. Yeah. So Kanye comes back with a very valid return. Why does no one else do the same when it comes to black people, including certain publications owned by Jewish people? Why do they not say isolated to him? Why do you, why do you guys, you Lex Friedman, are we will never question when someone says, but because you are part of a certain group, you take offense. And I'm telling you, mm. I'm intentionally saying Jewish people, because if I didn't, there would be no uproar. I need to do it this way so you can see the hypocrisy of what happens to me and my people. Because you see, when I just mentioned the example, you're already like, that's how black people feel when you're like, but why not isolated to certain leadership? It's like, but you guys don't offer us the same courtesy when we're trying to explain. Because a lot of white people, not all, a lot of white people mm -hmm. will be like, yeah, but you black people with BEE, and you're like, bro, yeah, but why are you guys keeping quiet to the ANC? You're but like, we're not. It's like what you said earlier, though. It is the vocal minority. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people have really changed the way they think. I, I still think there's a, especially in South Africa, there's a lot of issues still Yeah. Uh, in terms of racism, uh, un un undercover racism. Yeah. But when I, like the one thing that during the whole time with the Kanye thing, right, Yeah. was it wasn't Jewish people. It was businessmen. It had nothing to do with religion. If someone fucks you in a contract, how, how many, it's how not many, because they're Jewish. Yeah. How many, it's because they're a businessman and they want money. How many ordinary Jewish people are going on platforms to articulate that? I think a lot. I don't think so. But that's I'll, why I I'll say this. That's I'll why this. I thought Lex was not doing a good I'll, job. I'll say this he is because Jewish and he didn't fight that back. I'll say this because I'm not Jewish. Mm. I don't know if you heard what I'm saying. No, I did. I'm saying this because yeah. I'm not Jewish. And I'm telling you as a non-Jewish person, mm. if I'm telling you I didn't hear people, that means the average of other non-Jewish people didn't hear people. Which means when you're like, but so many Jewish people spoke out in your circles. So it was like an echo chamber. You guys were hearing each other, but it was not getting to the people you're trying to change. And if you're not making a concerted effort to go out, this is why I will sit with someone who's different from me. Cause I'm like, I can't just be in these groups where it's like, but guys, not all white people are bad. Have you gone on a platform 
to speak to average black people and explain and get crucified and get judged and explain to try and bring the tolerance and empathy because otherwise it doesn't work. And then you're like, but bro, so many, where? Where? The, the because if is, it's not on the platform, yeah. black people consume. If, if Jewish people white own people the media, though, right? Like he was saying, he said Jews own the media. Then that's wrong because if they own the media, then our point of view is everyone's what everyone is seeing. You know what I mean? Because you're saying it's like an echo chamber. But if we own the media, that's not an echo chamber. That is the world. The world sees the media. And if our perspective is what's being portrayed in the media, then that doesn't make sense. Okay. Because you know what I'm saying? No, I'm not going to agree with you, unfortunately. But I'm, do you understand what, I, what my point of view was there? Uh, because if we own the media, it can't be an echo chamber because the Jewish opinion is the one being pushed. No, no. You'd have to argue that's what Kanye. That's yeah. why I'm not yeah, going to yeah, agree. Of course, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna defend Kanye and be like, you are the Jewish media, because then yeah. by default I kind of take his stance and I don't. But I so, agreed so, with a lot of what he said. So I'm not, I just didn't like the focusing on specific people. So I'm not because Kanye has also fucked people with contracts, hey? Facts. I'm not gonna agree with Kanye. Yeah. And I'm not gonna. I know you're doing it with good intentions. I'm not yeah. gonna let you bait me into agreeing with. Well, if Jewish people do own the media, they should have done better. I don't believe that's the narrative. I, like I said, I believe, at least in my experience, a lot of Jewish people are good people. And some of them could have been like, don't even give this thing spotlight because it's going to cause yeah. unnecessary division. And we're not about that. Um, all I'm saying is when prejudice builds up, it's because you're not allowing people platforms which have mass appeal. Mm. I had a Zimbabwean, Rutendo Matinyarare, you had a debate, debate recently, with yeah, the I South saw, African yeah. Ike. I was attacked by a lot of South Africans. A lot of Zimbabweans don't agree with Rutendo. And I'm like, I'm allowing a platform for us to engage. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, exactly, if people yeah. didn't see it, it's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm not the biggest deal, but it's, it's the hope. You've become a pretty big deal. Nah. <laughs> you are, you are, dude. I hear a lot of people talking about you. The hope is that there's going to be certain South Africans yeah. who are going to shift somewhat. And certain Zimbabweans and other foreigners yeah. who are going to shift someone be like, okay. So when we sit, we do that. Because the elite, whoever they may be, whoever, black, white, colored, Indian around the world, they... I just wish people would start saying division. the elite. That's what I'm saying. Is like, people should just say the elite. It shouldn't be the Jewish elite or the Christian elite or the Muslim elite. It's like, it's not re religious people that are doing this. They won't that. know unless you... It's, teach them like that that was the one thing that i didn't like with the the whole kanye thing was like it wasn't jewish people it wasn't muslim people it wasn't christian if it if was you, people if, that if was, you got to yeah. sit with kanye you were gonna have a hard time and if you i wouldn't even be able to speak and if you can't con <laughs> and if you can't control your emotions yeah he's gonna get you in of course which is yeah. also part of the reason why i thought lex did an amazing job he didn't get baited he still got to say his views mm. he pushed back i thought very intelligently but he almost let at certain times kanye hang himself Whereas an intelligent audience, you're like, this is all Kanye. Yeah. It's not Lex said something, Kanye threw something back at him. You're like, ah, Lex, now it looks like you're just being another Jewish person. Because so I think he did fucking I well. agree. He did let him hang himself. Yeah, yeah. But when you give someone a platform to say stuff, like you say, there's a lot of people in this world, right, that aren't critical thinkers. So they don't see it as him hanging himself. They see him saying these things or hear him saying these things and go, that's a really good point. <laughs> you know? That's what happens with Jews. Yeah. And the danger is, like I said, most people are sheep. And one thing the elites believe in, number one, they thrive on uh, division. Yeah. Division 
forces us to split into smaller groups. Smaller groups are always easier to manage, number one. Uh, number two, it's they know that systems are more powerful than individuals. And they know that as long as we can control, build, influence the systems, it almost doesn't matter what the sheep say. So the masses can be like, oh, Julius Malima should be president, what, what? As long as I'm elite, doesn't matter what race or nationality I am. If I control the systems, the people will carry on behaving the way I want. But what I appreciate is that Julius mm. has managed to split these people away from those people. Because if these people unite, they might actually dismantle our system. Because they'll be like, but guys, this is not working for all of us. But if we keep them separate, that becomes one group of angry black extremists. This is an enlightened black mm. group. That's a group of white extremists. That's a group of enlightened white people. But the enlightened white people and the enlightened blacks must also clash on certain things. We can then manage them. But once yeah. they come together, they'll be like, guys, this is not working for all of us. And it, then it, it throws us off. So we constantly need them to be divided. And when religion no longer works, when money no longer works, let's throw in something new. Let's bring in mm -hmm. sexuality. Let's bring in uh, whatever elements of wokeism. Or something to divide, yeah. Because it works. It's easier to manage. Divide and conquer, yeah. Yeah. But Penwell, I mean, I've got a lot more that I want to speak about, but I know you, we've gone like an hour over the time you were supposed to Shit. say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back, Josh. So I appreciate it. I just want to say thank you so much for coming down yeah. and really... I know these are hard questions, some of them, yeah. but I think it's really fascinating to just dig into it. And um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I, I appreciate it. You know, I really have. And I, I hope I haven't come across as too kind of, um, I'm not trying to attack. I'm just trying to sure. start conversations about these things. And I'm, I'm glad it's with me and I appreciate it. I, and I, I enjoy the passionate yeah. questions, bro. Yeah. Um, it forces me to also engage and indulge yeah. and yeah. You know, because I usually don't do hard questions. Yeah, you you know, if I thought if, you were the right person to have some hard conversations with. If if we were if if social media was fully uncensored, some of the really cool contents that we'd love to see would be debates between uh, Jewish people and people that are anti-Semitic, mm. and allow them to just raise each, each, their views. You can do it. Nah, you can't. The 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 way that a lot of stuff gets removed offline, right? Sure. And this is what I'm saying with like the Lex thing is if you don't, that I think that interview is still up, right? Sure. But like there was a, do you know the Full Send podcast? It's the Nalk Boys. No. They're like a, these young guys in America. Sure. But they're actually from Canada, some of them. But anyway, they did a, a, a podcast with Donald Trump. Yeah. And they let him just talk and talk and talk. Sure. And they didn't push back on anything. Yeah. And the podcast got removed and we've seen it with Andrew Tate as yeah. well when he talks about things and no one pushes back yeah. because they just want, they know, oh, this is going to get 12 million views. Sure. This is going to get 10 million views. This is going to get hundred million views, right? Yeah. When you don't push back, then the platforms take it down. If someone is saying uh, something that is completely false, yeah. like the, the coronavirus never existed, yeah. right? Then it will get taken down. But if someone says that, and then the person sitting across from them says, factually, that's not correct. It will stay up. So if is, you is that how the algorithm works? It's not. It's it's about the censorship. So they just don't want you spreading false information. Like if Joe Rogan, right? So many people come on his platform and spread false information. A lot of the time he fights it back, though. Okay. Right. Sometimes he doesn't. Yeah. But a lot of the time he does. So if you like, say you want to do a debate. Sure. If you watch, there's a, a channel called Soft White Underbelly, and I've seen that. Yeah. The guy brings on. Uh, Nazis, he brings on uh, drug addicts, he brings on murderers. Yeah. I've interviewed people that were on his channel as well, yeah. right? Uh, you can talk to these people. He's talked to people in the KKK sure. that come in with, they're called the Grand Wizards with the freaking hats and stuff. I mean, sure. ridiculous, right? 
So if you want to have controversial debates, it's fine. You just have to fight the misinformation. So if I'll, you, I'll research it. I, I, I know that is how it works. You can't let people- I don't believe you because of some of the videos that have been removed from me where I try to give balanced views, but I'll, I'll do further research. I'm not saying it's every case because obviously sure. it is an algorithm. No one's looking sure. at every video. Sure. But from what I know, you can fight it. If you if, push if, back. If you push back, you allow the, people to say what they want as long as there's some element of pushback. As long as there's some out. element of pushback sure. and factual evidence to there's, back it up. There's a, there's a dope uh, conversation. I think it's two conversations for people to go check out um, it's between um, Imam. Imam is a Muslim leader, an Imam, a rabbi, and I think a Roman Catholic priest. There's two of them. Please just type in Rabbi, Imam, Roman Catholic priest. I think they show up. Um, some of the most beautiful conversations um, that you'll ever hear, uh, specifically around religion, mm. different types of people, different mindsets, uh, tolerance. But we need to have these conversations and they need to be managed, but it's because we want the world to be better and we want people to be better. But uh, I appreciate you, bro. I, I, I love you so much and I hope we can Thank do more you. of this. I would love to, dude. Honestly, yeah. this has been such a fun. This is probably my favorite podcast I've ever done. It's just yes. been fun. It's been interesting and uh, it's been challenging at times. And I love that you challenged me as sure. well on a lot of things because I'm not used to, I usually sit here quietly and listen. So sure. it, it allowed me to kind of explore my knowledge on these topics a little bit more and how I articulate myself yeah. in those kinds of situations. So yeah, thank you so I, much. I urge, I urge everyone watching this to, <laughs> please go and get like a Jewish friend. <laughs> Jewish if people, you can find one, there's Jewish, very few of us. <laughs> there's few, I, think there's, I think the number in South Africa is 70,000. Yeah, it's not much, yeah. Um, it's quite a lot. But um, really cool people, man. Mm. Get a Muslim friend, like befriend different people, but specifically Jewish people and maybe Muslims, because the way that the communities is set up is, is so inspiring. It is so dope, it's, it's so inclusive. Jewish people, generally where they go are trying to add value, try to help, try to do things better. And business, we spoke about business earlier, by far the people that have given me the most honest, raw, helpful business advice, and the people that have, without expecting anything, connected me the easiest have been Jewish people in this country. So it, it would be reckless for me to ever have an issue with people that have been really good to me. Uh, unfortunately, because I'm a like deep thinker, I research and I figure out certain things. So when I say things, they may become mm -hmm. misconstrued because I might say something people be like, but I thought, yeah. like I wasn't even speaking about that. Like watch it and listen for context. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, yeah. when you speak online, you're bound to say things that get taken out of context yeah. as well. It happens to me. It happens to everyone. Yeah. But that's the that's the territory, you know. And uh, thank you all for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wide Awake Podcast. I'll see you all very soon. Cheers.